This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for joining Bro History today. I have a quick announcement. So we started a YouTube channel, and going forward, we're going to be uploading our podcast to the YouTube channel so you can see our faces and, and we can prove to you that we're not a bunch of basement dwellers. I, uh, I actually live on the second floor. Um, nothing's going to change as far as the current platforms we're on. We're still going to be releasing the shows on iTunes and Spotify and Google Podcasts. That's not going to change. But if you want to see our faces, you want to see the live show, then subscribe to our YouTube channel. The link will be in the description of the podcast. All right, so today we have a really good show lined up for you. Danny and I are going to be talking about military technology. Uh, specifically, we're going to be talking about stealth technology. Um, Danny's really knowledgeable on it, so we've had a great show, and uh, I hope you enjoy. Hey, Sonny, I heard you want to talk about some planes. So I've been having a problem. I've been looking for a new podcast to listen to, but all of them are crazy nowadays. What's going on, man? <laughs> Nothing much, man. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, man. It's been a it's been a good day. I cannot complain. Definitely. Um, yeah, to so pick- you're right. So I did. I definitely wanted to talk about some um, some planes today. Um, I know that uh, we went at length um, a little while ago, a couple weeks ago, on the F-35. It was widely popular. A lot of people talked about it, and uh, you know, people have been um, hitting us up on Facebook, like as you know, um, telling, you know, giving us really good feedback, and uh, you know, we've been getting a lot of uh, requests for more military tech. So I wanted to talk a little bit about some more planes because I'm a nerd and I like planes. Um, but uh, you know, in the context of of our conversation on the F-35, I kind of wanted to talk about how we got to the F-35, you know, specifically around stealth tech. So that's that's what I wanted to talk about today, Henry. Yeah, and uh, for everyone who's who has been hitting me up on Facebook asking me questions about planes, I don't know. I'm not the right guy. I don't know shit about. I mean, most military technology. I don't. I'm not. I mean, I know. I know a little bit about everything. I would say. I mean, that's probably not even fair. Um, but Danny's definitely your guy for military tech. He knows way more than I do. He that's that's his like his passion and. One of the main things he brings to the table at Bro History is his vast knowledge and uh, his his nerdgasms over over military tech. So, I mean, start us off. Uh, what plans do you want to talk about? Cool. So, um, you know, as as we've all spoke at length about, you know, the F thirty five is our current you know monstrosity of a plane. Um, it's really dope in a lot of respects. Honestly, it really is. Um, it's also extremely expensive. 
Uh, and I, I just wanted to talk about this, you know, uh, uh, just stealth technology in general, because I think it also relates to our conversation about the S300 series and the S400, those surface to air missiles for those who uh, didn't listen to that episode. Those are developed by Russia and are just basically in a nutshell, a huge pain in the ass uh, for uh, basically anyone in the West and in NATO, uh, because they are a huge threat to air superiority, uh, which is a very, very big part of modern warfare today. Uh, so I wanted to take us back, like pretty, pretty far back in the past, like post-World War II, you know, maybe a decade after, and talk about the planes that really started getting us going on this, because I think the overarching trope for modern warfare um, at least on the uh, terrestrial and the air side, is you know the the battle between uh, uh, surface to air missiles and you know uh, aviation, so uh, um, warfighters, planes. Um, so I, I want to talk a little bit about like where how do we get here? Um, I think the best place to start is in the late fifties and sixties uh, with the U two spy plane. Have you heard of the U two spy plane, Henry? I've heard about it, but I am ignorant to what it actually is. Yep. So U-2 spy plane was developed uh, by the U.S. Uh, as a way to, as the name suggests, spy on the Soviet Union. Now, we had technology up in space and stuff like that. You know, we had satellites and, and things like that, but nothing came close to being able to get into deep territory, deep, you know, in the Soviet Union and take some pictures of, you know, shit that's going out on the ground, Right. So, you know, there's a problem with that. Uh, obviously, you know, because of World War II, we had established a lot of, <clears throat> you know, anti-air uh, uh, measures, things like flak guns, radar, uh, uh, surface-to-air rockets and missiles, uh, a whole lot of shit to combat air superiority. That That's always been in place since at least World War II. Um, so the United States wanted to figure out what the hell was going on in the Soviet Union. So they, they decided to, to build a spy plane uh, that would largely evade, you know, uh, Russian or I should say Soviet in this case, Soviet uh, um, ground defenses. And so the way that they decided to do that was to build a plane that can fly higher than any other plane. The U-2 uh, spy plane could cruise at 70,000 feet above, uh, uh, above, you know, sea level, which is really, really, really high, at least for the time. Um, and, you know, the cool thing about it was that basically other planes, you know, rockets, anti-air guns, they just, they just couldn't reach that high, right? So the spy plane was actually very visible. You know, they thought, the United States thought that they were, you know, using impunity and flying all over the skies and, and basically like, hey, you can't catch us because you can't reach us, right? It's kind of like the equivalent of like if you had an older brother and they would hold something over your head just out of reach and you'd swing up and down and like trying to get it and you couldn't really do anything about it. It was kind of like that. But the Russians can see this plane. It wasn't stealthy at all. They were like tracking it for years and years and years trying to figure out how do we shoot this thing out of the sky. And so that's what the U-2 plane was and is. So what was the Russian reaction to the U-2 spy plane? Well, at first, it was kind of like just track the shit out of it, right? Like watching it with radar, they were able to see it. Um, and I guess in certain cases, they might have been able to visually see it. Um, but sometimes they would send out some interceptors, right? So while the plane, the YouTube plane could fly at 70,000 feet, um, sometimes it would fly lower than that. And that's when they would send out these really, really badass planes called MiG-22s. They're interceptor planes. They're built by the Soviets. 
And MiG-22s and the, and the MiG series are, are actually very famous. Um, a lot of MiG planes are still in use by a lot of um, admittedly uh, uh, um, more developed countries because they're older and cheaper. Um, but they're dope. Uh, MiG-22 planes are pretty fast. Uh, they're called an interceptor because interceptor planes are the are fast air-to-air planes that you send out to basically try to shoot down a, a spy plane or, or to intercept, uh, you know, enemy, uh, uh, you know, attacker or or fighter planes. So these these planes were very fast. They went Mach 3.2 at top end, which is insanely fast, right? And we're talking about, you know, we. I'll talk about the SR-71 Blackbird in a bit, but, you know, three point, Mach 3.2 is insanely fast. Um, the problem with the MiG-22s was they couldn't do that for very long. That was their afterburner. That's them pedal to the metal in optimal conditions. They can fly that fast, maybe 10 minutes, and then they'll run out of fuel. So they would send these MiG-22s out. They would try to shoot at it, um, but these planes couldn't climb high enough, and the the rockets and the and the anti air guns couldn't shoot high enough, frankly, to get to the U two. And this thing basically flew around the Soviet Union with impunity f- for years. You know, it wasn't until you know uh, uh, 1960 that 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 this became kind of a problem for the United States. Okay, so how long were the U two planes in service? I think so. Th- their first flight was uh, on the first of August, 1955. Um, but they weren't introduced until 57. Uh, they were in service and produced from 57 actually to 89, to 1989. Though admittedly, there were planes that came out afterwards that made um, the U-2 kind of, um, you know, not useless, but less useful. And they came out from uh, Lockheed Martin, so Lockheed's Skunk Works. And uh, I'll talk a lot more about that um, later. But uh, yeah, the primary users were obviously the United States. Um the CIA used a lot of it. NASA still uses some, um, but believe it or not, uh, the the former Republic of China um, used a couple of them. They're about 104 built, uh, and they cost about just shy of a million dollars in 1955 uh, per plane. Okay, so like, when did that start to change? When did the U.S. stop using it, or why? Or why did we start using stop using those planes? Uh, was it because that the, did the Soviets finally build something that would be able to take it down? Were they able to build a plane that would be able to hunt these types of these spying apparatuses? Yeah, it's a good question. So um, to answer your question on the plane, no, no. The, in my opinion, they still haven't built a plane that can that can uh, um, climb to such high altitudes. Uh, and and cruise at such speeds. I mean, maybe the newest ones, but you know, we're we're talking about not not for another couple decades later. Really, what started heating up uh, is the United States would build a dope plane that can fly really high, right? And then the Soviet Union would then build um, like a really dope surface air missile <laughs> that could shoot it out the sky. And in 1960, in the spring of 1960, uh, a, a Soviet surface air missile finally shot down uh, a U-2 plane, and that happened. In the so like over the Soviet Union, they captured the pilot. Uh, it was a big fucking deal because you know this is 1960. Like we were hot in the Cold War at this point, and they were trying to use this as, hey, look, these guys are are aggressive. Like they're flying with impunity in our airspace. They're spying on us, things like that. That was a big deal. So they set up these, uh, um, and I believe there were the SA one or SA twos. Uh, and that was the surface air missiles that finally had the ability to climb to the altitude, uh, you know, that the U-2 flew at, 70,000 feet, but also track it across the sky. Like, 
the thing to remember about surface-to-air missiles is that uh, the the missile systems are only as good as all of the like the sum of the ancillary parts, right? You need things like the radar systems, you need controlling uh, operation centers, and then of course you need the the missile launchers themselves, and they all need to be working in unison. And by the spring of 1960, the Soviets figured it out well enough where they can take down their first U-2, and it was a really really big deal. So was that advancement in uh, surface surface to air missiles? Was that like the first major breakthrough? Um, I, I would argue that the first major breakthrough of surface air missiles probably came uh, in you know the, the the end of the Second World War uh, to kind of deal with um, German uh, German air superiority. Um, but in my opinion, I think this was like the culmination of the battle between surface to air missiles and stealth fighters. That that's really where this whole story starts picking up so yeah so what's the next so what happens next like what's the u.s response now the u-2 the u-2 spying plane can now be shot down over soviet territory what like wh- what do they do in response to that yeah well you know we realize we're fucked <laughs> at least with with the u-2 okay. um you know it, it was like at the time, you know, we were flying around for many years with impunity. Like nobody can fuck with us. We were taking hella pictures of the ground and of troop movements and of different, you know, facilities that might be of interest to the United States um, to kind of get an idea for what the Soviets were doing. And other than some satellite spying, you know, the Russians really weren't flying over our airspace. So we were like kind of high up on a pedestal. We rested on our laurels a little bit. And it wasn't until, you know, they, the Russians, the, the Soviets developed the, you know, technical capability to shoot one of these planes out of the sky that we were like, oh shit, or now we got to do something. So what we did in, in, in response was, uh, we went back to Lockheed and we were like, all right, as a matter of fact, I think DARPA, which is the, uh, um, fuck, what is the acronym for DARPA? Uh, it, it's, it's like a, 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 a secret defense group, um, that's part of the U S military. Uh, I don't. Uh, don't remember the actual acronym, but DARPA put out this like competition between a bunch of like existing, you know, uh, airplane makers. uh, And they said, okay, we want you guys to figure out like stealth technology. It's not good enough that, you know, um, that we can fly super high. We need to be able to not be seen by radar also. Right. And that was like a big deal. So they put it out. Eventually, Skunk Works, uh, which is the division of Lockheed Martin that works w- directly with the Department of Defense to develop all these planes, uh, they won the competition, and the competition was um, eventually for the SR-71 Blackbird. Now, the SR-71 Blackbird is is the most famous variant of this. Um, the The original plane that Lockheed built uh, for this was the Lockheed A-12. Right. And that was a reconnaissance plane. It was mostly used by the CIA to take pictures. Eventually, those developed into some sub uh, uh, models. Um, they even had an interceptor model that was like air to air that was pretty badass that the Air Force used for a little while. But the one, they, a lot of those models dropped off. And the one that we stuck with for the longest time uh, was the SR-71. And that was mostly a, uh, a spy plane, but it could drop ordnance and it could be outfitted to engage with other airplanes in the sky. Um, but that wasn't the point of the SR-71 Blackbird. So that was the U.S. response to, oh, shit, the Soviets can shoot our planes out the sky. And it was incredible. So this plane, to this day, has broken so many records and is it's it is the fastest air-breathing jet to fly, period. 
maybe I should explain what an air breathing jet is. So there are certain other vehicles that fly in the sky that are just rocket propelled, right? So think of like a, you know, a, a, uh, the, the the Falcon Heavy or something like Elon Musk's rockets fly faster than the SR-71 Blackbird because they're using rocket propulsion, right? Uh, but jets intake air uh, to help burn the the jet fuel uh, at a higher rate to make it go faster, right? So uh, the hotter and faster that it burns, the better it flies. This is the fastest air-breathing jet to ever fly, period, that we know about. And how, like, what, what were those speeds? It's classified, <laughs> but that's, it is, that's classified. Yeah, it's classified. No, no one really knows. But um, some things that we do know is we do know that it could cruise, and and what cruising is is you know basically you know when, when you're when you're on an airplane and it takes off right and it's inclined and then when it gets to its top speed that it that it just basically flies at for the next couple hours, be, you know while you get to your destination, that's cruising. When it's just chilling at the same speed, it's like going highway highway speed, you know? It cruises at Mach 3.2. This thing is fucking fast, meaning it's just chilling for hours at Mach 3.2. It was so efficiently built and so and the the engines for this were so good that it can fly that fast just just normally. And it was it was so annoying for for these MiG pilots there's a, um, a a Soviet MiG pilot um, that uh, defected from the Soviet Union, and among you know his his uh, you know political you know ideations that he he didn't want to be a part of the Soviet Union anymore. He was flying these really you know badass MiG twenty fives that could fly Mach three point two for like short bursts, but he was just saying how annoyingly frustrated it is to hunt SR seven one Blackbirds because they were just faster all the time, like much much faster. And these these MiG planes were like armed to the teeth. They had these R forty missiles, and they were enormous, and they could fly really fast. It's just they lacked the guidance systems. Like, and, and I'll harp on this again. Remember, surface to air missiles are only as good as the the systems around it that are tracking the you know the the target. These R forty missiles, while really badass. They just lacked guidance, so they could not track and lock on to these Blackbirds because they were just faster, way, way, way faster. Another fun fact. So the SR-71 Blackbird was so damn fast, it, it he, the, the exterior of the, of the plane heated up to over 500 degrees uh, because of you know, wind resistance, right? It was moving so fast that the outside was burning, and that's enough to melt aluminum like melt aircraft grade aluminum so in actuality this plane would take off looking one way and then when it's in the air it would actually melt a little bit in the sky so the actual plane would melt yeah while melt. while going at its <laughs> while going at its cruising speeds that's right <laughs> it would melt so like what's the deal like why why aren't these planes still in service if they're so great yeah I mean uh, just kind of more more um, information about that before I get to that so so the the reason why they were in service for so long and they were uh, at least uh, until 19 um, 1998 or 99 it depends on like Air Force or NASA um, so none of them have ever been shot down ever like they have never been shot down. Uh, but 12 of them were lost due to accidents. One specifically was uh, that when they were test flying one of them, 
the plane literally disintegrated mid-flight. <laughs> like it, Jesus. Like it flew so damn fast, it tore itself apart in the air. <laughs> like the biggest threat to the SR-71 Blackbird was the SR-71 Blackbird. Yeah, just the plane couldn't just... The biggest threat was the speeds that I was going. Yeah, it was Damn. it was incredibly fast. Uh, operating protocol for when you know something locked onto them was don't take evasive maneuvers, like don't like do a barrel roll, don't do anything like that. Just haul ass. That was the just fly faster, put the pedal to metal, fly faster. Nothing will be able to catch you. Nothing will be able to sustain that speed for long enough. Like they can go around, <laughs> like from the from uh, I think the the record breaking flight was from uh, California to to DC in an hour. <laughs> but it could it could continue on. It could keep going if it wanted to, you know. And they look crazy. They look kind of like something oh, they're that they like Bruce Wayne would build. Yeah, no, they're absolutely badass. So they're it's a it's a Delta wing. Uh, meaning it looks like a flying triangle kind of right um so even the look of it like when i mean largely they had a lot of uh of stealth technology so radar couldn't see it but when when pilots would see it when you would visually see it they they just weren't even sure what the hell they were looking at because planes didn't look like that you know the only thing i can think of that that was similarly crazy looking at the time were like weird german built like prototypes of of jet planes that they were working on it looked absolutely crazy it's so badass just sexy like it, it and it was painted all black because of the radar uh absorbing materials but it's, it's this plane is so cool it's so cool okay so the planes start blowing up though they start incinerating in the in midair um <laughs> yeah <laughs> is that so is that the response from the u.s there i mean who who was piloting the air force or the navy uh, piloting them as well or just the air force but uh the, the air force specifically but also nasa so the requirements okay. to be a blackbird pilot were the same requirements as being an astronaut and they actually had to oh, wear shit. space yeah they had to wear spacesuits. Um, really? When, yeah, because they would fly super high. So they would fly even higher than the U-2. I think their operating ceiling was 90,000 uh, uh, feet, but th that also might be classified. I'm sure they could probably go higher. Um, and then, so they were even higher than the than the U-2 planes. Way, way, way faster than the U-2 planes. And they had this radar absorbing material. So like you couldn't see it on radar. So it's like the only way to see it is if you saw it flying in the sky with your eyes. And sometimes they, you know, sometimes MiG pilots would, but they would never catch them ever. <laughs> That's it. And the reason why why it got sacked was, frankly, money. It was just you know, too expensive. Yeah, they were expensive. You know, so it was um, the defense budget for it was uh, three hundred million dollars per year per bird from the defense budget. So, so three hundred billion dollars per plane. Per plane. And and in its height, there were about a hundred of them. So three billion dollars a year to maintain these things, because again, these things were very very like advanced. You couldn't just take off and land and take off and land like every time they went through. Remember, the plane melted when it was flying, right? So every time this thing lands, they have to go through, you know, extreme, you know, uh, um, 
checks, right, to make sure that they're flight worthy again for the next go. Sometimes they needed to repair things. Sometimes they needed to update things. They had to make sure that this thing was flying absolutely perfectly. But the crazy thing about it was that unlike the U-2, even though it was so much faster, so much higher flying, so much better, the problem with the the Blackbirds was also us. We didn't want to fly it over the Soviet Union and risk getting shot. Now, we really tested these guys in the Vietnam crisis, in the Korean War crises, and we would often like trail the border of uh, the Soviet Union. Uh, it's also in- interesting to point out that the Blackbird also had some great um, uh, uh, photo taking capabilities, like the cameras on them were side mounted too. So even when it was flying along the border, it could take pictures hundreds of miles into Russia, into the Soviet Union without actually crossing it. Think about all the crazy Russian films they got. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> they got all the all the video of uh, of Boris and Vlad uh, chugging pints of vodka and then, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then jumping from building to building. Yeah, I mean that was as close to like Russian dash cam videos as you were gonna get in the sixties. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I wonder what they would find if they like looked at the archives with those videos. <laughs> like, well, you know, we've we've looked over uh, you know years of video evidence, and the only thing that we found is uh, a bunch of Russians having a party in the woods with their pants down, um, trying to tame a bear. Mm-hmm. All, all we yeah. saw was Darth Vader get out of a bus. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't see anything of, of import. <laughs> um, Damn. Oh, so uh, speaking of surveillance, so I guess this is another reason why we kind of down this plane. Because in addition to being expensive um, and you know just flying them was sometimes hazardous, uh, the, the issue was that it had no real-time surveillance. So it could go out and take a bunch of pictures. But we had to wait until they got back to get the pictures. And it, it became strategically important for the United States to be able to have those images and have that that feed like immediately, right? Um, and so that just wasn't present. I mean, I guess it, it's possible that they could have updated the plane to include, uh, you know, real-time feeds. Um, but at that point, they were so expensive and we were kind of too afraid to fly them over the Soviet Union because of their surface-to-air technology um, that we just decided against it. So so let me just get this straight. So the Blackbird, did it utilize like actual stealth technology or did it just, did it just it did. depend on its speed? Okay, so it actually used stealth technology. Mm-hmm. It however, used- it seems like the speed, the speed, like the speed of the plane. Speed and the height, yeah. Speed and the, the height. Speed and the height of the altitude and the speed of the plane was was probably good enough to to stay from harm's way. Right, but we were yearning for better stealth tech. I mean, it did it did have a really low radar cross section, which means like um, the radar cross section is if you want to not be seen by radar, you want a really small radar cross section. And radar cross section is just when they send out the radar. Uh, what happens is it the radar bounces off of the target, bounces off the plane, and comes back, right? Um, and the cross-section is just like, how big is this object, right? Um, and the stealth technology of the SR-71 Blackbird was such that it would make itself seem much, much smaller, so it would be harder to detect, but not invisible, right? And so there was a lot of things that were going into it. And and I want to bring up like the, the uh, Yom Kippur War in 1973, 
um, because because we've talked about it um, on this podcast in the past. But um, you know, I want to talk about like this this battle because we were too afraid to fly this plane as badass as it was over the Soviet Union. We were just still so afraid of surface to air technology and radar technology in the Soviet Union that we just didn't even try it. That oh, at least that we know about, it's possible that we did. Um, this is pre S three hundred. Yes, this is pre S three hundred. This is during um, a time when uh, Russians were using the SA one and SA twos, uh, and those were Soviet built. But but um, to put it into context, as far as like uh, um, why the U.S. and why the Western world is so skittish about surface to air missiles, in 1973 during the Yom Kippur War, there was 109 strike aircraft lost by Israel in 18 days. And this was due to surface-to-air missiles, many of which were Russian-made. Well, yeah, pretty much all the weapons mm-hmm. from uh, from Egypt and Syria were from Russia. Right. Um, but that's a yeah, lot that's, of planes, dude. That's a that's lot. That's a lot of planes. It, it, and to put that into perspective, I mean, that's like a three-week period or two-week period. Yeah, 18 days. It's just over two weeks, two weeks and four days, and they lost 109. This is like the, the biggest slaughter of airplanes I don't know, probably ever, maybe more. I don't know. The, I, the biggest slaughter of airplanes. I mean, you'd have to go look. You have to, you'd have to look at of modern airplanes. Let's say post World War modern II, airplanes. You know? Yeah, post World like, War II. World War Two planes were getting shot down like crazy, and World War One planes as well. Right. I think, I think uh, one of the craziest plane, one of the craziest uh, air raids in terms of casualties was uh, Operation Tidal Wave in the battle during the Battle of Pulaski. Um, right. I know a lot of American planes were shot down there. Yeah. It was basically like a suicide mission. It was like 70% of the aircraft were shot down trying right. to knock out those oil fields. However, I mean, those were just like, you know, whatever bombers, like B-52 bombers or, or I don't know what aircraft they sent. But uh, that's crazy, man. I can't I can't imagine 108 planes being shot down. 109, in a modern yeah. War. 109 mm-hmm. planes being shot down in a period of three weeks it in scared, a modern war. It's scared the shit scary. out of the West. Scared the shit out of the West. Because, you know, when we're talking about like World War I, World War II, like since we started using aviation in warfare, you know, the trouble is that in order to fly, this is physics here, in order to fly, you have to be you know, you have to have lift and you have to be light, right? Which means you can't put armor on a plane well, you can't put a lot of armor on a plane, right? Which makes them super easy targets to shoot out of the sky. Like in World War One and World War Two, all you needed was just like a high-powered gun to shoot a, you know, to shoot a a plane out the sky. You know, something mounted on a on a on like a, a, a towed artillery or something. You know, I I'd, I'd even say if if you got a clear shot with a tank <laughs> at a plane, that shit's going down. You know. Um, and so the the, but but like a, having aviation, like having air superiority, was has always been in modern times like very very important to warfare. I mean, we look at Blitzkrieg, for example. You know the 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 strategy employed by the Nazis, and what they would do is they would fly in you know a bunch of bombers, bomb the shit out of the ground, right, and just scare everybody, and then immediately follow that up with a bunch of like ground inv- invasion. So it's always been air first, then ground. You know. Um, that's just always been the model in, in the, in the modern world and modern warfare. Yeah. Uh, but, and that's how, and that's why Israel has been so successful in, in all the Arab wars. Right. Because they, because of their they superior air force. Exactly. Yeah. And, but the, the thing is that like airplanes are kind of weak, you know, like uh, they're very fragile, you know, they're dangerous as shit, but they're fragile. Like, you know, any little thing will take them out of the sky because remember we're like 
we're we're saying fuck you to gravity and flying around in the sky when we shouldn't be, you know? Uh, so it's it's relatively easy for gra- gravity to win that battle if some small thing goes wrong with your plane. Uh, Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and so in, the, in that 1970 you know, uh, Yom Kippur War, uh, when we lost, when the uh, is- Israel lost that many modern planes to surface-to-air missiles, we were just like, shit, there has to be a better way. We can't, we can't stomach these these losses. That's that's a lot of money, a lot of blood. It's just, it's really bad. Yeah, it's crazy. Like the Yangapur War is is really, it's it's a crazy war because it was like prior. To, prior um, to that, you know, the U.S. was fighting in the, the jungles in Vietnam, and you know, we weren't we were we didn't get a good look at all the Soviet technology. I think that was like one of the first times the United States got a really nice look of what the Soviets had, and they were really surprised to find out and what they had. And I, I know specifically surface to air uh, air defense was one of them, but I think tanks as well. They're like, damn, man, the Soviets have this. Why didn't we see this in Vietnam? Okay, so Yom Kippur War, the U.S. and its allies, we we're not as confident as our as our air power anymore. So, what's the next step from the U.S.? So, you know, obviously, it was imperative for us to deal with surface-to-air missiles in the way that we understood was the best way. Right? Uh, again, surface-to-air missiles are are on the ground. They're easier to set up. In many cases, they're cheaper than than developing whole planes. So we just had to double down on stealth. And uh, what came out of this doubling down was, again, we went back to the drawing board. And what came out of it was the F-117 Nighthawk. And that's a stealth fighter, but technically it's not a fighter. Um, but that's that was the, the response, the F-117 Nighthawk. And like what, like what are the differences? Well, so first of all, uh, F in the name F-117, just like F-35, F-22, like all of the F. F means fighter, right? Uh, okay. The designation uh, A, so like the A-10 Warthog, for example, means attacker, so air to ground, right? Fighter is air to air. And then bomber, so B, the B designation is just air to ground again, but like on a, on a bigger scale. So like the B-52, the B-2 Spirit, things like that. Um, those, so the F-117 Nighthawk is, is I guess, one of the first multi-role planes. 
Um, but really, it's a ground, it's it's air to ground attack aircraft. Um, and the reason why they actually put an F designation on it was because, uh, once again, Lockheed and the United States spent a ton of money uh, developing this awesome plane with superior technology, and they wanted the best pilots to fly. But you know, a, a fucking Tom Cruise isn't fighting in a uh, you know a bomber plane. He, that's that's beneath him, right? He wants to dogfight. He wants to be in a fighter, right? Uh, so they put the F label on it. But actually, it's it's more of an air to ground. Um, it's more of a bomber than anything else. Yeah, you don't put the leader of Scientology in a bomber plane. Yeah, Jesus, what the hell is that? That's what that's what Lord Zenu <laughs> for a truck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so that's actually, I think, what they, what Elron Hubbard said. He said that um, in Scientology doctrine, Lord Zenu had planes uh, that looked like B fifty two bombers, um, like bomb, mm-hmm. bomb Earth, mm-hmm. uh, with like these frozen alien spirits. That, <laughs> that now, <laughs> so of course, Tom Cruise wouldn't be about that. No. Uh, but this was, you know, in the time where, where you know, Top Gun and like the F-14 Tomcat was around, you know, where those are the conventional fighter uh, planes. But so, again, fight- they were the sexy ones. Yeah. But you know what? Those sexy planes didn't do well against air to ground, especially not Russian made ones. So look what happened to Goose. Exactly. He got shot down. So that's, you know, that's kind of the point. Uh, so they were doubling down on this. So Lockheed goes back to the drawing board. Lockheed, uh, you know, using some science and math and shit, uh, decided that a diamond shape is the most effective at blocking radar, meaning like, uh, uh, <coughs> excuse me. So uh, how this radar um, blocking works is that um, radar, again, it's, it's sending out electromagnetic pulses into the sky. And then it's waiting for it to bounce off of something. And then when it comes back, then we can see that it bounced off something. It's like an echo, you know, it's like a, a echo location, if you will. Um, now, when it bounces against a, a flat surface, you can see the entire thing, right? But if they create the plane, if they create the object in such a way that it's angular, instead of it bouncing off of the the object and coming back to the radar, it gets flown out into space, right? Like it just goes out in all the different directions. And then that that they don't get that return signal, maybe a little bit of return signal, right? So through math, Lockheed figured out we we need to make a we need to make a fucking diamond. Like that that's the best shape uh to to make radar go away. But diamonds don't fly. <laughs> Remember, we still have to make a flying aircraft. And it was like super weird. And they went, you know, they they crunched the numbers. They kept doing this thing. And then eventually they, they settled on, uh, you know, the design for the um, for the F-117 Nighthawk. And the Nighthawk, if you've seen a picture of it, if, if, if you haven't, go look at it. It's it's even more crazy looking than the SR-71 Blackbird. It's literally a triangle. Uh, it's There is not a single sloped or smooth edge on it it's all really sharp it doesn't even look like an airplane and frankly even pilots were like worried they were like this thing flies like are you sure like uh what's what's the deal with this thing yeah i've seen pictures it looks fucking nuts it looks like a straight up 
It looks like something Another Bat- pro- yeah, um, something Batman. It looks movie. like something yeah. in a something in a sequel in like a Batman <laughs> sequel. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. First it's the Blackbird, then it's the Nighthawk. Except, you know, um I'll shit on the Nighthawk a little bit. It's actually a really shitty plane by plane standards. You know, it doesn't fly very well as a plane. It's not very fast. It goes like Mach point nine or something, which isn't even a full Mach. Uh, so doesn't break the sound barrier. It's not supersonic. So it's slower than way, the way, way slower. Yeah, way, way, way slower. way slower. But the idea this time around wasn't fly high and fly fast. The idea this time was just never be seen ever, you know, uh, to the point where they, they again, this is an air breathing jet. So they actually mounted the turbines, the, you know, the intakes on top of the plane so that underneath it wouldn't, it wouldn't get caught. But even the intake valves were like, um, uh, uh, really bad so because they would trap radar and bounce them back so that was like the biggest issue with developing this plane it's like it needs to breathe but the breathing parts are the ones that are causing the most radar cross section so what do we do um so uh basically they developed like this screen that like helps it absorb radar and they called it like the roach motel because at the time uh like on tv there were um like advertising these roach traps, like uh, these little boxes that you put on the floor and they go inside and, and die. So basically the, the, the roach motels on the F-117 Nighthawk were just where radar went to die. They can come in, but they can never go out. So when did we start moving into, I mean, do we use the Nighthawk anymore? No, right? No, we use it. Yeah, we still got them. Oh, we do? Uh, okay, or no, 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 no. Uh, I lied, sorry. Uh, we retired them in 2008. Um that's because shortly thereafter, uh, we have some some newer planes coming out, like the F twenty two, F thirty five, things like that. So so yeah, they are retired now, but they have been used in, in a lot of conflicts and a lot of recent ones. So the first one that they threw it at as like a test um, was the in Panama uh, in, in the you know, like South American crisis down there. Uh, we wanted to do something about Noriega. Um, we didn't like Noriega. We didn't like socialism and communism so close to us. So they sent the um, <clears throat> the the Nighthawk on its first mission, and it was called Operation Just Cause, which I like to think is funny because it's like just cause. <laughs> We're just going to send it over just cause, you know. Um, so the thing about it is like they were going to hit this target. They wanted to test it out. Uh, but they wanted to keep the barracks intact for like the future for, you know, American or, you know, uh, coalition soldiers to be able to use. So instead of bombing the barracks themselves, they were the the pilots were told to bomb 50 yards in front of the barracks just to scare the shit out of them. Right. And also to test out the plane. So they did that and it was largely a success. They, they blew up the middle of the field. But you can imagine, you know, uh, the American media jumping on this as a failure, you know, uh, heavily expensive you know stealth fighter plane you know uh is is not meant to be bombing the middle of nowhere (laughs) you know like that's a waste of money um this is part of the reason why we don't why we didn't continue with the uh 117 beyond um beyond like a, a desert storm really uh or maybe iraqi freedom portions of that but i mean you can imagine that right so the media jumps on this and they're like hey they flew this fancy, expensive, you know, Nighthawk in an in, in an operation, and all they destroyed was some grass. What the fuck is going on? Yeah, <clears throat> sorry. So yeah, so 
what other conflicts have been like has the Nighthawk been used in besides Panama? I mean, I guess there's been a lot of conflict. Sure. Um, I think the biggest one is is uh, the biggest two I should say is uh, Desert Storm um, and uh, 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 Iraqi Freedom. So. Uh, Iraq one and two basically are the biggest ones, although it was used lightly in Serbia. I'll talk about that in a second. So the first time it's it's like really used, like used, used uh, is in Desert Storm. So the Nighthawk dropped 40% of all of the bombs in Desert Storm, 40% of all of the bombs. It's a, it's a glut. Wait, what do you, what, repeat that 40% of all the bombs that were dropped in Desert Storm were dropped by the Nighthawk. Okay. Okay. Wildly, I got gotcha. you. Wildly, wildly successful. Um, it also set a record. So it, it um, it's a it's a single seater plane, so only one pilot, right? It's a really small plane. Uh, and it flew from New Mexico, which is where they were housed, to Kuwait in eighteen and a half hours. So that's the the record for the longest flight in a single single seat fighter. Um, can you imagine sitting still for eighteen and a half hours in the sky? Um, it's it's a pain in the ass, but they did it. You're, it's a lot of uh, pissing and shitting in your pants. At least it would be me. <laughs> you know, I'm curious about that. Actually, I wonder what they, what did they do? Did they, they, pissed, they have a catheter they or something? <laughs> they they pee in their. They have like a diaper type thing. Huh. I gotta look that up. That's, yeah, that's interesting. They, I mean, I'm. A, I mean, I don't. I haven't read that, but I'm assuming they have some type of diaper. I mean, when you're um, on the tour to France, I mean, you're you're just peeing in your suit. So. I'm I'm sure that they they thought of that. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> they have to just stop, <laughs> pull over. I gotta take a shit. <laughs> imagine 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 being like over the Soviet Union or something, and then all of a sudden like, oh, I, yeah, hey, excuse me, I, I gotta make an emergency landing. I gotta take a huge shit. <laughs> <laughs> imagine that. Be, imagine the headline on the news. It's like <laughs> one of our pilots is being held captive because he had to take by- a shit. <laughs> The army is stating that he had to make an emergency landing for a forced evacuation. <laughs> and then they interview and then they interview him as hostage. Like, I have been held hostage. I landed because I had to take a shit and I could not go anywhere else besides the forest I was flying over. <laughs> but yeah, so right. so Desert Storm, um, these were heavily used in Desert Storm and they were very, very effective. Um, and, and uh, it should be noted that Baghdad for, uh, Iraqi freedom, the, so Iraq two, uh, Baghdad was one of the heaviest, like heavily armored, uh, uh, and very, very well protected cities like in the world. They had a fuck ton of surface to air missiles, many of them Russian, um, the majority of them Russian, I should say, uh, like a lot of them everywhere, but F F one seventeens flew there with impunity. And, you know, one of the first strikes on the first day uh, of the war of Iraq 2, they sent uh, two Nighthawks over and they dropped uh, four 2,000-pound bombs on a bunker that they believed that Saddam Hussein and a bunch of other, like, high-level military guys uh, were chilling at. Unfortunately, uh, it worked. Like, it blew the shit up out, out of the bu- bunker and uh, and the Nighthawks got out and they were fine. And, and you know, uh, it was a good operation, but unfortunately, they didn't get to... Uh, they didn't get to Saddam Hussein. He came out a couple hours later on the TV saying, "Like I'm fine. Like go fuck yourselves. Like this is war." I think his sons. I think his sons were supposedly in there as well. Yeah, I remember. I remember um, watching that on TV, and um, I was like, I guess in seventh grade, 
or no eighth eighth grade ninth ninth grade whatever i was younger and i was just like whoa just like watching baghdad be blown to smithereens on t on live tv it was crazy yeah yeah it was um unfortunately you know i should say in the the f7 117's um uh uh flight record isn't isn't clean as clean as the the blackbirds though because in the 90s in the late 90s in serbia one of them were shot down in serbia so I mean, again, these were really dope, and they're very, very stealthy, uh, but they're not infallible. And uh, it seems like, at least from the United States, uh, you know, defense um, perspective, the, you know, on our side, we just keep up in the ante for how much money can we spend to make the most advanced, stealthy, crazy, you know, fighter jet or bomber possible. And then on the Russian side, they're just like, okay, cool. Well, you guys keep spending your money on that. We're going to keep making dope-ass surface-to-air missiles to shoot them out of the sky. And that's been the balance from then until absolutely right now with the S-300s on the on the Russian side. And uh, you know, I guess the F-35 would qualify as the, as the uh, American response. I guess it seems to me, though, I, I feel like there's a more emphasis on making the most expensive plane <laughs> that produces the most jobs and making the best plane. Yeah. Because, like, from what you said, like, the Blackbird seems better than the Nighthawk, you know? like In I, many ways, yeah. It, it's, it just seems that we keep on making, like the, like, the planes that we're making now are not as good as the planes that we had made in the past. Yeah, like, there's, like, some quote-unquote advancements in technology, but... I mean, well, so I'll put a little bit of nuance about there. This. I'll put a little bit of nuance there because sure. you're, you're talking about the finances, right? So, and, and I'll agree, at least very, very um, modern planes, um, the F-35 specifically, it seems like we're just spending a fuck ton of money for no good reason. Um, the 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 SR-71 Blackbird was dope, but it it does not have a place in today's warfare, right? It's just not stealthy enough. It's not fast enough anymore uh, for for modern surface to air missiles. Uh, and it can't hold the ordinance that we need to to get to get shit done, and also it melts in the sky, so like that's a problem. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, but the Nighthawk, you know, for for I mean, it's 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 been used in combat heavily. It's got a great record there. It has been shot down a few times, um, but you know what plane hasn't? But relatively speaking, in terms of cost, like the total cost of the F one seventeen Nighthawk program was eight billion dollars, and that's actually pretty cheap for a development cost of a of a of a modern aircraft. Like most, you know, most cost of, of developing an aircraft is like 20, 20 billion or so, right? Yeah, F thirty five is a lot more. <laughs> trillions. It's going to be. It's the most trillions. Yeah, and the trillions. Trillions, dude. Yeah, I I know I know what you, I know I know exactly what you mean. Like having a fat a super fast plane doesn't give you the advantage anymore because surface to air missiles now are going to be faster than that anyway. So I guess I, I understand the <clears throat> emphasis on stealth technology. Right. It's just that I don't know. I'm no expert on military technology or anything like that, but I'm always just kind of like stealth always kind of sounded like a, a, a myth to me or something, or, or just something that was just kind of thrown out there. Like, you know how like there's buzzwords that are thrown out for like new cars and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, I've always thought of stealth as kind of like that. I, I know there's merit to it, and obviously there's ways. You know, that stealth is basically. You know what? Let me rephrase that. 
When people say stealth, they get the wrong impression. They think that stealth means that the plane turns invisible like Wonder Woman's plane. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I mean, well, we're, reality, we've got some technology and, that, that does very close to that right now. Um, but I digress. You're right. When people say stealth, when when military technology implies stealth, what they mean by that is that it cannot be detected by radar, which is what we yes. use to track and target um, objects in the sky. Yes. Yes. And I think I, I just want to make that clear for everyone listening that like stealth is it doesn't make a plane naked to the it doesn't make it invisible to the eye. It makes it invisible to radar or harder to see from radar. Right. Um, I mean, the Nighthawk was painted black and the SR-71 was painted black on purpose because they would fly them mostly at night and you couldn't see them like physically, optically see them because they're dark and they're weird shaped and and they're flying high and and fast and. I mean, so in that respect, it's kind of invisible, but it's it's not actually invisible. Yeah, like you're like, fuck, I left the cloaking device on. I can't find it in the hangar. <laughs> Where the fuck did I park my plane? Um, but yeah, I mean, this is the reason why I want to talk about this today is just because, you know, we talked about the F-35 and how grotesquely expensive it is, but um, but also how stealthy it is. Like, let's be real. It 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 is incredibly stealthy. We're talking about a radar cross section the size of a like a, a a bee. You know, a small bug. Like very 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 small, right? Um, the question is like, is that enough for the S three hundreds, S four hundreds, and all of these dedicated systems that are that sole purpose is to s- spot something in the sky, and that are much more inexpensive, much much inexpensive than you know, developing a uh, an F-35, which is de facto the most expensive military thing, period. Um, so there's this like almost like a balancing act. I would even say it's like it's like a game of rock, paper, scissors where it's like surface to air missiles, stealth jets, and money <laughs> are the are the three options. Well, let's just hope that we never have to find out. <laughs> yeah. But this is this right. is where it's going um, though. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's let's uh, wrap this thing up. We're we're getting close to an hour, but I mean, thanks, man. This this has actually been really helpful for me because I don't I don't get this stuff or really have a good grasp on on uh, the, the the history of of fighter jets and and stealth jets and and all that. And I think most people don't. Um, and a lot of people really enjoy it when you come on the show and break down military technology. You do an awesome job. Um, people are a lot of the reviews that we get are, are, are honestly directed towards you when you, when you break down these things because they're complicated. But, um, I guess it's your experience and te- with, with tech that gives you the ability to, to really break down technology in an easy to digest way. And I think the most important thing that you do is that you break it down so you can, you break down the technology to show how it affects politics. Or, or geopolitics or foreign relations. So mm-hmm. um, thanks again, man. And hey, thank um, you. don't get high on your own supply. If you're still listening, remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We need the subscribers. I think we have like 11 right now, so we're trying to grow this thing as quickly as possible. And uh, don't forget to rate and review the podcast if you haven't already. Peace. 
We all know how important it is to keep your eye on the money, and not just your own. Stay on top of the latest financial and market news with Yahoo Finance, a podcast that releases new episodes almost every day. You'll hear a brief overview of the biggest news in the financial world, all in three minutes or less, right after markets close. Check out Yahoo Finance wherever you get your podcasts. That's Yahoo Finance wherever you get your podcasts.